what up what up what up welcome to hardcore casual my name is whack ops how you doing this week was a great week for me y'all i'm not gonna lie every week since i've been putting out this podcast i have been slammed and i mean slammed with work i'm i'm very very grateful to say that this week i had time for games a whole bunch of games i played miles morales i finally finished that out bought it about a month ago because you know i'm always late but uh, 100% that, that was great. Just got done playing some Back for Blood before I hopped on the mic. Definitely kick up the difficulty. Otherwise, you may be in a server with bots. Uh, maybe that was just me, but I'm definitely going to hop back into that once I get done recording today. Um, Hades is supposed to drop later tonight. I wasn't able to boot it up before I started recording, but I know Hades is supposed to be coming today at the time of this recording so by the time you're listening to this you'll definitely be able to jump in if you have a game pass subscription we also have a lot of news coming out of battlefield lately they just dropped a new nine minute cinematic trailer that looks dope you get to play as omar from the wire i'm so excited they might get my money just for that (laughs) and then we also have 12 minutes coming out next week and I did get signed up. I, I purchased Death Trash to get into this early access, but I haven't been able to sink my teeth into it yet. Do not mistake it with Death's Door. Completely different PC game, but definitely going to sink my teeth into that as soon as I get a chance, hopefully this weekend. Some things you guys should know about the show today. It is going to be a lot about film and television because August is slow for games. We're snack, We're smack dab right in between E3 and essentially the big holiday stretch. Fall and winter for games is huge. September, you have a bunch of PlayStation releases. October, you have things like Far Cry and Back for Blood. And then in November, we're anticipating things like Halo and Call of Duty, even though they don't have release dates yet. We're pretty sure they're coming. So until that point, the next couple weeks, there's a good chance we're going to be talking about a lot of rumors and TV and movie stuff. But trust me, They're providing plenty of news this week. I had to make some harsh cuts because there was just so much to talk about. But let's go ahead and jump into our headliners, uh, where we tell you what made the front page this week in games and entertainment. So first things first comes from Bloomberg, and that is the South Park $900 million deal with Viacom CBS. That's Paramount Plus, if you were curious. Um, It's supposedly for multiple movies, Apparently, there's a 3D game in development. I'm really curious to see what this means, because if I'm not mistaken, Matt and Trey were kind of feeling that's the creators, by the way. They they wanted to take a step back from South Park. I think they were a little burnt out on it, but I don't know. Almost a billion dollars might change your mind. So who knows? Hopefully, this will give us some good content uh, with some spirit of South Park in it, because I definitely think the last couple of years I could see their disinterest in South Park showing the work. Next, we have some EA news. Let's talk about the fact that EA recently referred to Jedi Fallen Order as a franchise in a conference call this earlier this week. This is according to Daniel Ahmed on Twitter. I'm super excited for that. I hope EA hears this loud and clear. We do not need cheap multiplayer experiences. Listen, I'm not going to lie. EA has put out some heat this year. Okay, let's talk about It Takes Two. That was great. Uh, Knockout City. I'm still playing that. And then a remaster of the of Mass Effect. 
That was great. That sold well above expectations, according to this conference call. And now they're saying that Jedi Fallen Order is going to be a franchise. This is the kind of turnaround I think we're trying to see from EA. Now, don't get me wrong. They have a lot to answer for, which I'm actually about to get right into. But let's let's see what else EA has for us. Because if this Dead Space thing ends up being any good, there's a lot of good things in the can so far for EA that I'm I'm curious to see how it plays out or if they're going to tear the rug from under us once again. We'll see. Battlefield will be out soon. So stay tuned for that. But speaking of EA and <laughs> predatory business practices, lawmakers uh, apparently have written a letter to 12 different games companies and uh, big boys, Blizzard, Epic, Microsoft, etc., to encourage them to reduce predatory game design. This is according to The Verge. Real quick, this is coming out of a situation where UK passed a new law, which I'm about to describe to you soon. The United States wants to adopt some of these rules, though it hasn't gotten to the point where it's actually going through Congress. Nobody's actually drafted any kind of bill that would mirror what we're seeing in the UK. So this comes from The Verge. Quote, the new UK rules called the Age-Appropriate Design Code, are set to roll out next month, applying to social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram, as well as games like Roblox and Minecraft. Specifically, the new rules would force companies to design their products in the best interest of children, offer stricter privacy settings and policies for different age groups, and restrict nudging techniques often used to encourage users to continue using the service. The UK law does not extend to children in the US, but in Tuesday's letters, lawmakers called on the 12 companies to voluntarily apply these same protections to Americans. Okay. Only three congressmen sent this out. Okay. I think we're a, a, a long way from really being able to push a hard line as far as getting this this kind of game design out of our ecosystem, but it's going to take time. Uh, Old people don't play Roblox and Minecraft. They're not on, you know what I mean? They're not on the the new wave. Uh, A lot of these people were born in like the sixties and I'm not knocking old people like they can't play video games. But if you're a congressman, quite frankly, I hope you don't have time to play video games too much. So it, it's kind of tough especially when these companies are huge and can probably pay lobbyists a fair amount of money to keep this situation at bay. I really hope that we see some legislation that's going after loot boxes because it is a problem developing gambling addiction in young people, not teaching them about impulse control and things like that when it comes to how they use their money. At the end of the day, these companies aren't going to turn around because what's stopping them from making like a billion dollars? This letter isn't going to stop them from taking advantage of of their consumer base. It would be they have a fiduciary responsibility to do whatever is within the rules to make as much money as possible. So I don't know until there's some real backlash until people are like uh, we did with EA and Jedi Fallen Order. That was a situation where you definitely saw people fed up with this situation, but those are few and far between, and we'll see how angry gamers get, because there's new ones every day, and that's probably the toughest part about fighting this, is because the power users are probably the youngest people, and getting them 
convincing them to change their habits is the uphill battle that we're fighting alongside of fighting lobbyists and convincing Congress members that this matters. Hopefully these companies uh, will respond with something, but as far as I can tell, we got nothing from them yet. So let's go ahead and get into the streets are talking segment. That's where we talk about rumors, gossip and controversy and everything with a pinch of salt. So first things first today, a story drop that was big. I mean, We've been hearing rumors and speculation about this for uh, years, almost a decade. Honestly, it's been ridiculous. Apparently, Rockstar is going to be putting out a GTA trilogy remaster of GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas, according to Kotaku. I'm going to read you a quote. Quote, After months of rumors and speculation, Kotaku has learned from sources that Rockstar Games may be remastering three classic Grand Theft Auto games. Currently, it appears these games will be released later this fall for a multitude of platforms, including the portable Nintendo Switch. Whoa. Whoa. A couple notable things that I'm, I'm seeing first. First of all, this fall. So this has already been in development for at least a couple years. I would imagine if from what I read in the article, they're really retooling these. They're really remastering these. But yeah, this fall and coming to the Switch, if I have GTA, the classics, that might be one of the only things I play on my Switch. As crazy as it sounds, I think that might break the bank for them where we'll never get GTA 6. They're making too much money. This year is the year of the remake and the remaster. It's, It's actually pretty wild. I think a lot of these companies maybe had a lot of these things in development and kind of had them canned or on the back burner. And then once the pandemic hit, they sent a lot of their resources to these remakes. But that's neither here nor there. I'm excited for that. Let's see if that actually comes out to be true. Next, I've been avoiding this one a little bit just because I think it's a ridiculous story, bro. The the game abandoned that supposedly a, a Hideo Kojima joint, you know what I mean? The rumored game. We haven't seen much gameplay from, but everybody wants to talk about. Well, apparently their PS5 app has been delayed, and as of this recording, has not launched yet. It was supposed to launch three days ago, two days ago, and it hasn't launched yet. According to their Twitter, they're still working on a patch. I don't know how this even got got through Sony PlayStation stores, like quality assurance or whatever but apparently it's supposed to be a real-time cinematic trailer experience thing it's supposed to integrate the dual sense or uh whatever it's supposed to do a lot they're promising a lot and they haven't actually given us anything except for teasers that hint to Hideo Kojima games and they've denied publicly that they're affiliated with Hideo Kojima at all So, (laughs) the day of launch, what was this, Tuesday? It was trending on Twitter with like 40,000 tweets, bro. Now, don't get me wrong, Twitter trends are just that. They're just some people talking, but they gained 10,000 followers in that time. And marketing dollars are real dollars. I think it's curious because you even see former Sony president uh, uh, Shuheo Yoshida tweeting, about it, like wondering what the hell is going on. So 
honestly, I I only cannot wait to see what happens because if this isn't Hideo Kojima joint, these guys are going to be memed for the next like five years. And honestly, this might be the like greatest I did this on accident marketing campaign like ever. I don't know how much of this these guys meant to do, but I can already see the Netflix doc coming out about this stupid game that never was. What if this never comes out? Won't this be great? Won't this be a great, stupid story you tell your kids? Like, oh yeah, I lived through that. Jesus. This is a sign that we need, that, that we're, we're dry on games. This is a sign. How much this attention, how much attention this is getting shows that people need more content. Anyway, moving on. Let's go ahead and jump into something that I've been seeing over the last couple of weeks, but I was waiting for a couple major outlets to get their hands on the Steam Deck. Uh, many content creators were allowed into um, Valve headquarters in order to test out the Steam Deck. I would suggest going to Linus Tech Tips and Digital Foundry um, to listen to kind of what they have to say, depending on what you're into. They, they do a really good job of, of giving you the full breakdown couple of things you should know one the size comparison it's it's beefy man it, it's about twice as thick as your nintendo switch and like i don't know three or four inches wider it's supposed to be somewhat heavier but what makes up for that is the comfort in the control supposedly that extra width is giving you something to grab onto which honestly playing my nintendo switch handheld i don't have too much to grip so my hands do get sore. I'm hoping that maybe that will counteract the weight. Next, there are questions about the games in which it can run. Uh, the reason that is is because Steam OS, which is the operating system that is installed on the the Steam Deck out of the box, is it runs Linux. Now, most games, or I wouldn't even say most games, a lot of games on Steam don't necessarily work well with Linux. Now, granted, the Steam Deck is a PC. You can download uh, Windows to it if you'd like to, but it's just something to keep in mind for those of you who aren't familiar with how different operating systems integrate with programs that you're trying to run. Um, but it's definitely something you want to think about if you're getting this for perhaps a specific use case. I noticed certain games perhaps that are very popular. I heard PUBG and Apex and certain games run spe uh, a specific kind of anti-cheat that does not integrate well with Linux. So we'll see. We'll see. All of it will come out in the wash, but I think right now that is a small asterisk compared to all the raw power that it actually has and what it's able to do. Next is heat. We were worried that it might be hot, but uh, Linus Tech Tips brought a thermal uh, camera to Valve headquarters to check it out, and it it looks like it's not going to run as hot as some competitors like the Ion Neo, which is good because heat dissipation is a big deal, especially when it's a handheld thing. You don't want anything too hot making your hands sweaty or anything hot to the touch that could potentially just hurt you or make you uncomfortable. Next is the etched glass. It only comes on the 512, uh, 512 gigabyte model. Uh, that is the anti-glare etched glass. Mixed reviews on that. Some people said that they like the pop better from the regular screen, but the etched glass definitely felt more premium. So I guess we'll see once reviews start getting out there in the wild. And lastly is the conversation around future-proofing. Now, this is a weird machine because it it's like a super, super, super duper switch, 
or it's like a very uh, mid-tier game console. I've heard it been compared to about half the the power of uh, Xbox Series S. So that can be a problem uh, as far as new AAA games coming out, but we'll see what the lifespan of this particular game systems is supposed to be. I, I'm not really sure, but I think if you're playing the same few games that I see in the PC space always kind of being very popular and, and, and played quite a bit, I think we'll be fine. A couple misconceptions I do want to go over too. One, this is not a Switch competitor. Switch is mobile gamers. Let's be honest, it's really a lot about the Nintendo exclusives. Also, it is not going to be better docked. There's no increase in clocks when you dock it and attach it to a monitor compared to when you're just using it regularly. Though, it can push uh, higher than the 1200 by 800 resolution that it pushes on the handheld mode. And then lastly, this is like, you know, they're creating a market, man. It's not being marketed to mobile gamers who want to get into PC gaming. It's marketed to PC gamers who want to go outside. <laughs> People who already have Steam libraries lined up. I think I think that's kind of the misconception I'm seeing in the space. If this gets more people, more casual, quote-unquote, gamers, like, into the PC gamer space, that's dope. But being a PC gamer, I feel like, comes with a lot of technical know-how, at least just in terms of language um, and knowing what things are called, that I think a lot of casual gamers aren't really up on. But with that, we're going to go ahead and take a break. We have a lot of stories this week, so we're going to break it up into three different segments this week. When we come back, we're going to get into the real as well as platform wars, Thank you very much. We'll be back. This is Hardcore Casual. Okay, guys, welcome back. When I told you when we left that there was going to be a lot of movie news, a lot of movie and TV news, I was not lying. So I'm going to run through some of the quick stories real quick. We're going to go dive into the platform wars because we have a lot of indie developers to talk about. And then lastly, we're going to get into our trigger warning topic of the week. And that is going to be all about the film industry. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. So first things first, we're getting into the real where we break down the latest in movie and TV news. Something that came across the ticker today, Let There Be Carnage has been delayed to October 15th. This was weird news. I don't know why it would be delayed so close to release, but if they need to delay it to make it good, I hope that that works out. And I hope this doesn't affect their box office sales because I'm rooting for these villain movies to get a little more shine and a little more play and make the kind of money that these superhero films are making because they are way better stories a lot of the time. Moving on, we have What If. What If premiered this last Wednesday, and if you watched it, you probably enjoyed it. I'm not going to get into spoilers, but let's just say I love how they're playing with the origin stories that we know and changing enough details to keep me engaged with the story. And the animation is really, really good. You, you might be surprised once you kind of relax your eyes and settle into it, because I think that uh, the art style is is something to get used to if if you're not, but I love it. 
uh, and the fight scenes are great. I think the action is great. So hopefully we get more of that, especially if I felt this way about something, somebody like Captain Carter, no offense to Captain Carter, but I was not a fan of the first Avenger. I'm, I'm not a big Captain America dude necessarily. I hope that with the next couple of episodes, when they start getting the characters that I do have a little more interest in, that that will be really exciting for everybody, uh, obviously myself included. Next, let's go ahead and talk about this Rick and Morty hour-long season finale. Adult Swim announced that on September 5th, Rick and Morty is going to have a one-hour season finale. They said they were going to do 10 episodes in a row, but it, but they changed it. I, I like that. I like the idea of smushing two episodes together and giving us a little break. I'm excited because apparently this is going to blow the doors off some good, juicy Rick and Morty lore. And you know, every season they give us one or two episodes that really get into the nitty gritty about the origins of Rick and Morty and what the hell we're actually looking at. Also, if you watch this last episode, it has a lot to do with bird person and mental health. And I thought the episode was dope. I think you should go watch it. I'm actually probably going to rewatch it tonight because I only watched it once, but it was it hit. This one hit different than a lot of the other episodes. Next, we got some crazy news. Idris Alba announced on his IG and on his Twitter that he's going to play the only character in the entire Sonic universe that I give a damn about, and that is Knuckles. And this he's going to be playing Knuckles in the upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So check out for that. I'm excited. Obviously, I think it's in early development. I don't think that Sonic 2 is coming out anytime soon. Next. We have Suicide Squad, okay? I wanted to get into this because y'all know if you listened to me last week, I was hyped. I, I, I literally got out of my chair right here and went and sat down right on the couch and started Suicide Squad last week when I got done recording. And man, I loved it. It was so good. I'm not going to give spoilers away here because I'm trying to do better about that, but King Shark, man, so good. I just, Alba, great acting. Harley Quinn did a great job, like I, I, uh, Margot Robbie, I, I love the movie, bro, I thought it had the perfect balance of like, I don't know, superhero violence, and like comedic gore, and, and just funny moments, and heartfelt moments, and like heady shit where you had to think, and the, and the twist was, was good, the twist hit at a time in the movie when I was probably the most like, ready for jokes and fun, and I just wanted to see Starro, and, uh, Starro did not disappoint, but for some reason it disappointed at the box office this week. It made in its first couple days or first weekend at the box office and made twenty six point five million U.S. dollars and seven point two million U.S. globally, and that's according to the Hollywood Reporter. Now Warner Brothers predicted it to make thirty million dollars, so they were a couple million short. That's pretty tough, but. Uh, it was released simultaneously on HBO Max. It was the second most viewed film debut on HBO Max at that. So of all the movies that have debuted on HBO Max, this came in number two. And you can't say that the cast and crew, assuming they're getting paid out of the box office, wouldn't be a little bit hot about that. But I haven't heard anything from that side. And I think that's because back in December, when they decided to release Wonder Woman 84... They struck deals with a lot of their actors and actresses uh, and, I mean, just people who work on these movies to be able to pay them out ahead of time or restructure how they're paid. It's not solely centered around the box office. So 
that's enough little bit of movie news because our our trigger warning story is going to be all about that uh, uh, today. So don't you worry. There's more coming. But next, we actually have the Platform Wars, and that's where we keep a pulse on the major platforms in the gaming space and where they're headed next. So let's talk about Sony PlayStation first, mostly because the other two companies had indie showcases, and I want to talk about games. But let's talk about a little update on the NVMe SSD or the solid state drive that people are installing in their PS5s. I just wanted to give you guys a little update because Digital Foundry, uh, shout out those guys, they always do great work. They did a little demo and talked about the different aspects of installing the SSD, but also the measurements and load times as well as frame rates and things like that. And apparently, the installed NVMe SSD could potentially provide faster load times than the internal SSD that's already comes installed out of the box in your PS5. Now, why this is surprising is because PlayStation was touted as having the fastest or one of the fastest SSDs, period, period. And now, you know, obviously technology moves faster than ever nowadays, so there's already faster SSDs available to you, which is pretty cool. After you watch a couple videos, you realize that the installation is not too difficult. Plenty of YouTube creators can show you how to do it, though I'm sure there's going to be a lot of young people, and not even young people. I ain't going to put y'all out there like that. A lot of people in general are going to thoroughly screw this up. I will just stress one more time, get a heat sink. Get a heat sink. If you go and look at the testing, I think there was only one situation where not having a heat sink was marginally faster. But almost in every case, having a heat sink helped performance. I wouldn't say a great deal, but I would assume that having a heat sink will keep your PlayStation the safest um, and keep it from damaging other parts of your system. And unless you really know what you're doing, I would suggest you get a heat sink. Moving on, let's talk about this rumored Sony State of Play that's supposedly coming on August 19th. If you didn't know, that's next Thursday. Now, this comes from leaker Nick Baker of Xbox Era. Sony, like I said, is going to have a state of play next week, next Thursday. And apparently there's supposed to be a GTA is supposed to make an announcement. Um, take two, that being said, Rockstar. Apparently From Software has an exclusive coming to Sony that they're going to be talking about. Again, this is all rumors, all speculation. And according to Todd he Tom Henderson, who, quite frankly... I do trust him a little bit more than a lot of other leakers just because he's very, very consistent and his tweets actually this week were asked to be deleted regarding Call of Duty being announced next week on that same day on August 19th. Now, Call of Duty has done exclusive, you know, console timed exclusives before with Sony. So honestly, I think any of these are a possibility, but... That's all a matter of if we get this state of play or not. I do think if we do, it'll probably end with Call of Duty. I'm skeptical about the front from software exclusive, but it's totally possible as a, I mean, a shot at Xbox after all this Bethesda news has been in the news for the last six months. And then as far as GTA with these rumors that we just talked about, I would doubt that they would make the announcement there, but anything's possible especially when we're talking about rumors. So stay tuned for that. You know, Sony usually announces two days prior 
to their state of play that they're having one. So we'll find out by next Tuesday. But let's go ahead and jump into our next story. And that is going to be all about Sony buying Crunchyroll. Now, this comes uh, from Variety Magazine. Sony has merged Funimation and Crunchyroll for $1.175 billion. Sony Pictures Television bought a controlling stake in Funimation in 2017 for $143 million. This is from Variety earlier in the article. Sony's goal is to create a unified anime subscription experience as soon as possible. Tony Vinciquera, chairman and CEO of Sony Pictures, said in announcing the close of the deal Monday, quote, with the addition of Crunchyroll, we have an unprecedented opportunity to serve anime fans like never before and deliver the anime experience across any platform they choose from theatrical events, home entertainment, games, streaming, linear TV, everywhere and every way fans want to experience their anime, end quote. So this says a lot about Sony's strategy, man. I mean, they bought Evo earlier in the year. There's these Netflix rumors that they're partnering for some kind of game deal in the gaming space with uh, Netflix. And now we have their big play for anime. They pretty much are anime on the internet now. And it's it's pretty wild to see. It's pretty wild to see. It looks like, I, I said it last week, it looks like Sony's trying to put some paint where it ain't. You know what I mean? They, they see that Microsoft is this huge behemoth all of the sudden in the cloud gaming space, in the games service, uh, gaming not games as a service, but Game Pass subscriptions. The, they're, they're huge now. They're way out ahead of their competitors. So... I can understand why Sony is kind of putting their feelers out there to see what other entertainment mediums they can hit on, because let's not forget that Sony has been in entertainment for a long time. (laughs) Sony owns record companies. Sony owns movie companies. Sony owns a lot of stuff within the entertainment space outside of hardware um, and a video game company. So I'm excited to see these two go head to head for our eyeballs, for our attention. How much time are you spending with Sony versus Microsoft? You know what I mean? So with all that being said, let's jump into the Microsoft news. Now, there were a couple of things before we get into this ID at Xbox Indie Showcase. One, apparently earlier today or yesterday, Halo got an M rating in Australia from the Australian classification. That's where I'm pulling this information from. What the, what does this mean? That means that Halo is probably getting ready to go gold, which means it's pressed, and they're going to start pushing out hard copies into the space, which means we're probably going to get it this year. I'm excited, man. I'm excited because this is the this has been the the most definitive news that Halo is in fact coming in 2021. So very very exciting stuff. Um, and then. Second, Microsoft also announced that they're going to be doing a Gamescom Gamescom showcase on August 24th. So Gamescom is happening August 24th, and Microsoft is going to be there. Now, let's get into these indie showcases. Ah, So much business. All these dollars and cents being thrown around. Let's talk about some games. Now, at the ID at Xbox Indie Showcase, I'm only going to talk about five or six games that really interested me 
um, or I thought looked nice, uh, looked like something I would want to purchase for somebody else or at least share and support because we all love to support indie developers here at Hardcore Casual. So um, first was Lightyear Frontier. This was the first game that they showed. This is from Frame Break, and it does not have a release date yet. But it is a mech-based planetary exploration and survival title. It looks kind of like a No Man's Sky meets Stardew Valley. It's it's interesting. It's interesting. I like the fact that you're playing as mechs. I hope that they do some first-person stuff where you get to hang out in the cockpit and kind of observe the world. I like those immersive aspects of planetary exploration games and things like that. Next, they showed Lab Rat. This is from Chump Squad, uh, and it's supposedly coming out in spring 2022. Now, this is really, it's just a pretty cool puzzle game, but what had me curious was the AI conspiracy theme uh, and story they had behind it. It was very portal. Yeah, uh, I I like those kind of creepy games with simple mechanics i I like that that subgenre within the indie space next we got another look at ollie ollie world now every time they show this i get more excited about it y'all i'm not gonna lie but this this of course is from roll seven and supposedly it's coming out winter 2021 and it's a casual skate title it used to be a little harder from what i understand but they've loosened up some of those mechanics they said in this presentation that it's going to be able to run at 4k 120 hertz which is really dope for a title that isn't a triple a big budget experience I, I like that they were able to push those graphical settings and of course they talked about this in this specific showcase their customization options which for me if you know me and you play games around me i love to change my characters around i'm so meticulous about their hair color and their body type and their clothes and all that stuff and you're going to be able to do all of that Um, including changing your skate style. So I'm excited about that one. Next is one that you may have heard me talk about in my E3 bonus episode earlier this year. It's the Big Con from Mighty Yell. Now, this one's coming out on the last day of the month, August 31st, and it's a story-based adventure with a 90s cartoon theme. I'm just juiced because, uh, quite frankly, the animation. I just want to play something that looks like Doug. (laughs) I don't know why. I I feel like... Something that's in that vein of just like, I don't know, 91 to 95 cartoons on Nickelodeon. Like it's very that vibe. And you're going to be able to pre-order this now on Xbox platform. So go ahead and pre-order that and support indie devs because wishlisting, pre-ordering, things of that nature does help. Next, this one was very interesting, mostly coming from the accessibility space, but also just in terms of creative game design. This is The Veil, Shadow of the Crown. Now, this is an audio-only game coming from Falling Squirrel and Creative Byte Studios, and it's coming to us on August 19th. I hadn't heard about this game before this, but you play as a blind warrior princess It's an action-adventure game, and like I said, it is audio only. Very curious about the game design. I'm going to try it out just because this is definitely an experience that you want to have if you want to see where games could be going um, in the future, just in terms of now that we have everything hitting us with every sensory we could possibly imagine, let's see what happens if we can design a game and we take them away. So, 
The combat is directional, timing, and pattern-based. Navigation and exploration in 360-degree sound. There are quests available. There's a hard mode, as requested by the blind community, and it is hard as hell requested by the blind community because they wanted it to be semi-realistic, almost simulation in a certain way. And then accessibility and representation, quite frankly, is the biggest thing for me within this title. Like, I'm excited, one, to see if I can get good at being able to use my ears to play a game. I use my ears to edit every week. But also because I think it's important to have, I hope there are more games in the genre for blind gamers. Perhaps we can start thinking about accessibility, not only in terms of what's available to those gamers who have a tough time gaming, but also just providing the rest of us with a different experience that we might not have had before, or an increased perspective on what it's like for our other gamers who who don't have the same accessibility options as us. And then lastly, the big news that I think that they put out was the fact that Stardew Valley is going to be coming to Game Pass. Now, that's pretty cool because I know a lot of people haven't played Stardew Valley, but have heard a lot about it and didn't want to drop the 30 for it. So that's exciting for all the Game Pass subscribers out there. Now, let's go ahead and jump into this Nintendo Indie Showcase, the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. Now, this one actually had me a little bit, I think this one, as far as indie showcases go, not going to lie to you, Ali Ali World was probably the game that I was most excited for overall. But I think Nintendo had a better indie showcase. I do. Um, let's jump into what they showed. There was five games there that I thought were pretty curious. So first is a Jet Set Radio-inspired game. That is Bomb Rush Cyberpunk. This is from Team Reptile. It is a cell-shaded parkour graffiti adventure. Uh, It has some grind mechanics that you see in games like um, Sunset Overdrive and things of that nature. And it is going to be a 2022 time console exclusive. So it's going to be only on Nintendo Switch for a little while. So I'm excited. I might pick this one up. I might pick this one up. And honestly, the soundtrack might be what gets me. I wouldn't be surprised if all those Jet Set Radio fans out there really dive in. I haven't played that. What it hasn't been out in like three generations of of consoles. That's crazy. Next was Toem, a photo adventure, and that was made by and that is being made by something we made. That is the name of the developer. Now it kind of gives me a Chicory meets Pokemon Snap kind of vibe. Uh, you're judged and you're graded on the pictures that you take, but it is a colorless adventure, as in it is black and white. And it is two and a half D in in a lot of ways. And, and you know, it kind of has a touch of East Shade. For those of you who played the Annapurna game, East Shade, where you play as a painter. I like games where you have a job that isn't combat-based, but you're able to move through the world and progress in an RPG kind of way. I, I'm excited for this one. I, I want to see if this one is any good. And that's supposed to, su- supposed to be coming out in a couple months. Um, in the next couple of months, uh, fall 2021. Next, we have a text-based dating sim, and it gets a director's cut. Of course, I'm talking about Necro Barista Final Pour, and that comes from Coconut Island. This is out now. I I haven't played a lot of text-based adventures, but God forbid if I don't try one, <laughs> I'm not going to play Doki Doki Literature Club, because I've heard wild things about that one. Trigger warning on that one, but... 
Uh, Necrobarista sounds cool. You know what I mean? Ghosts, coffee. I dig it. That sounds like a, a vibe. So who knows? Maybe I'll check that one out. Uh, and that, of course, is out now. Next, we have Garden Story. This is from Rose City Games. It's like an OG Zelda-like action-adventure title where you play as a grape. It's a cute game. I'm not going to lie. It looks like it has some pretty good gameplay. That's out right now, and I think between those two, I think I might be playing those uh, before bed this week because they sound pretty chill and pretty engaging. Uh, If nothing else, I can definitely imagine me and my lady playing these or, you know, passing the sticks back and forth. So between those two titles, I'm really excited. I hope that you guys find some of these indie titles exciting like I did. We're going to go ahead and jump into a break. This is our second break of the episode. And when we come back, we're going to be diving deep into this Disney Scarlett Johansson situation. And we're also actually, as just a broader conversation, going to be talking about paying creators and artists fairly within the entertainment space. So Stay tuned, come right back, and we're going to sink our teeth into it. Thank you very much. This is Hardcore Casual, and my name is Wack Ops. Okay, guys, welcome back to the show. We're going to go ahead and jump into the trigger warning topic of the week, where we discuss everything under the surface and bring it to light. This week is all about Disney versus Hollywood, round one. Now, for those of you who aren't all the way in, I talked about it last week. I actually talked about it quite a bit last week, but things got so much worse since we talked last. So let me go ahead and give you a quick update of what's going on, and then we're going to go ahead and sink our teeth into it. And apparently this situation dates back farther quite a bit farther than than we know about so oh and before i give you the full update i do want to shout out just my opinion reviews because they did a great breakdown uh alongside a couple other creators in the space definitely check out their conversation around it because they walk through a lot of the timeline in a, a lot of depth and we're able to give some good commentary to the situation so Without further ado, let's get into it. So Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney um, because they put her movie out on Disney Plus the same day it was in theaters. Short version, right? This actually goes back quite a ways because this is really a conversation about, at least on the Disney side, a rift between former CEO Bob Iger and current CEO Bob Chapek. Now... I'm going to read you a quote from Variety dating back to May 12th before any of this Disney Scarlett Johansson nonsense got in the news. Quote, the two men's once warm relationship has grown strained, according to four insiders. This comes as Chapek has overseen a 2020 reorganization that centralized the media company's content distribution and ad sales. Why am I talking about content distribution and ad sales? Boo, this is boring, right? No. Key word there is distribution. What is distribution? That's who decides where this content goes to, right? So apparently this rift about who decides where the movies get played or where shows or where different content gets played at or when it comes out, 
was delegated to parties that don't really care about people like Scarlett Johansson or other creators. So this has been brewing behind the scenes at least a month prior to Scarlett Johansson filing this. Now, last week, this all kind of happened. A lot of this happened before our show last week. So I'm just giving a quick recap. Now, Disney lawyers came out and slammed uh, Scarlett Johansson in the press Again, another quote from Variety. They did a lot of good work this last week on this story. This is from July 29th. Quote, There is no merit whatsoever to this filing. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of of the COVID-19 pandemic. Disney has fully complied with Miss Johansson's contract, and furthermore, the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus with Premier Access has significantly enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation on top of the $20 million she has received to date, a Walt Disney Company spokesperson said. Now, this is where Disney completely dropped the ball. This shot at Scarlett Johansson woke up a whole other side of of the industry that people weren't thinking about. But they were already kind of chomping at the bit, getting ready for this lawsuit because obviously all these creators in Hollywood, obviously all these people in IETC and SAG-AFTRA and different organizations and collections of Hollywood workers, both famous people and people who are just doing the work, all are rooting for her already. And then they come out and out her her pay, which is something that I don't know if you guys know this, but you don't do. You as a business, as a company, as a publicly traded company, don't out former business partners' contract details. That doesn't make people want to do business with you. So after this, same day, Time's Up. It's a female-led uh, organization that's helping for equal rights in Hollywood. They came out calling Disney's attacks, quote, gendered. Now, this is on July 29th. I'm not going to read you the full statement. Disney is being attacked now by the equal rights people in Hollywood. Then comes out in a story from The Wrap on August 2nd that Bob Iger is mortified by this situation. Language you don't really hear from company men like Bob Iger and angry and disappointed or whatever the quote was last week from um, Kevin Feige. Let's go ahead and jump to SAG-AFRA. Now, SAG-AFRA president Gabrielle Carteris came out with a statement that totally tore into Disney just this last week. I believe this is from the 9th or the 7th. So this is a quote from from SAG-AFRA president Gabrielle Cartes. Quote, Disney should be ashamed of themselves for resorting to tired tactics of gender shaming and bullying. Actors must be compensated for their work according to their contracts. Scarlett Johansson is, a sh- is shining a white-hot spotlight on the improper shifts in compensation that companies are attempting to slip by talent as distribution models change. Nobody in any field of work should fall victim to surprise reductions in expected compensation. It is unreasonable and unjust. Disney and other content companies are doing very well and can certainly live up to their obligation to compensate the performers whose art and artistry are responsible for their corporation's profits. 
a very cutting statement. Now, that's the kind of statement I was waiting to come out. I'm not going to lie, because that is that kind of language is the kind of language that really drums up support for your cause. One and two, it's very professional. It's very PR. It's very lawyery. Obviously, the the president of SAG-AFRA knows how to speak in public. That is not what I'm insinuating, but the the amount of venom in that statement toward Disney specifically is definitely not a good sign for Disney as a business. You know what I mean? That's not something that you want in the press. I don't want her saying that about me. If she if that was about me in my podcast, that that would be upsetting. Even if I had all the money. That's not something you want to hear, especially from the president of a big organization, basically a union of actors. That's tough. That's tough. Even with all your big contracts. I don't know if you 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 beaten down the whole team, the whole industry. You know what I mean? Let me not jump too far ahead. Now, just earlier this week, August 10th, giant freaking robot broke the news that Disney has cut ties with Scarlett Johansson. Quote, following the lawsuit, Disney has been criticized for its fiery public response to the suit. Now, we've learned that Disney has closed their ties and future projects with Scarlett Johansson. Whoa. So, this got ugly quick. Within 10 days, she filed, shots fired, now Hollywood's at war all over the Black Widow movie. Who thought when it came out that it was going to be this controversial? Right? And if I told you that Black Widow was going to be controversial, you would think it would be like, oh, the comic book people are mad or, or you know, uh, it's, it's a sexist movie or something. You know what I mean? Or, or they don't like how the, the story played out. It's not canon or I, I don't know. Right? But you wouldn't think it's because Disney's dropping the ball on, on talent relations? That seems weird. That seems weird. Especially because I'm going to assume that if they had Bob Iger still at the helm, that they probably could have kept this out of the press for less than what she's asking for now, which we don't know what she's asking for now, but it's said that she's missing out on at least 50 M's. It's no joke. Oh, and then, oh, just today, just before we started recording, Disney confirms Shang-Chi will be in theaters exclusively. Of course. <laughs> I think that what, what we're seeing is definitely the end of the Disney Plus premiere access program or whatever. It's honestly, it's it's crazy to me that a company this big and this public and who cares this much about their image would shoot themselves in the foot this bad. <laughs> it's funny to me. It's honestly, it's not funny in the sense that somebody's being taken advantage of, but it's funny to me how hard they're falling on their face in terms of public opinion. So who's to blame at Disney for this? Because obvious, the obvious person to look at is Bob Chapek because he's the CEO. Bob Chapek actually comes from the amusement park side of the business, which used to be Right, I, but no, I'm sorry. That is still the most profitable profitable part of Disney, but definitely he helped turn that around. The problem is he's trying to turn around a ship that's full steam ahead, making billion dollar movies. They made twenty billion dollars off these Marvel movies. What are you doing? Keep the the client happy. Like that's just universal in business. That's not even 
acting or Hollywood stuff. If you have a client that's putting food on your table, that's bringing in dollars to your business and giving you a good name and other working relationships because of that, yeah, dude, you do right by them and you don't treat them like some bum off the street. Public opinion and the contract are two different things. They could easily win this case, easily win this lawsuit because it's Disney and they have more money than God and they can hire whatever lawyer they need. But if all of Hollywood turns against you, man, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I don't know what kind of case that Scarlett Johansson has because 2020 definitely changed the expectation for a lot of people. And it could be argued that her expectations should have changed alongside that. And the whole callous argument, although it felt hollow in the press, it might they might not have been talking to us. So that's just the Scarlett Johansson situation. Now, let's talk about this article that came out of The Guardian regarding Marvel and the $20 billion that they've made off of the comic book writers. So... I'm just going to read you a quote straight off the rip from The Guardian because I think they put it together way more succinctly than I, I could. Quote, according to multiple sources, when a writer or artist's work features prominently in a Marvel film, a company's practice is to send the creator an invitation to the premiere and a check for $5,000. Three different sources confirm this amount to The Guardian. So why do I bring this up? Because I think these two, these two situations mirror each other in terms of the fact that we're going through a change of, of guard in the media space. If you look at these old Marvel contracts for comic book writers, they're written in a way where obviously they never anticipated $20 billion movies being made off of these characters. That wasn't structured in a way where they were going to be able to make the most of that. Now, once the medium changed into film and movies, now all of a sudden Marvel, Disney want to hold the bag real tight and not divvy out what other people seemingly would be due. Even if their contract doesn't state so, doing right by creators, doing right by the creators, <laughs> excluding jo Scarlett Johansson for a second, the people who made up Scarlett Johansson's character. The people who made, you name it. And because this isn't exclusive to Marvel either. This goes for DC just the same. The only difference is WB signed contracts back in December to make their actors happy. But they're just as much, if not worse, of a culprit in the comic book writer space. So there was no restructure of a deal between these writers and Disney once Marvel changed hands or once Marvel was sold to Disney. It's because of this that Disney owes none of these writers anything. Now, it's true. Writers could come and restructure deals and kick and scream. But at the end of the day, it's very hard for me to look at any situation in the entertainment space where a creator is not getting all the respect and, quite frankly, compensation for their work and their creations, their intellectual property as possible dog it, it's it's hard for me to look at 
you know, distribution and organization and marketing dollars as the only thing that means success in all these different mediums. It's hard for me to think that these people didn't work hard, that Scarlett Johansson, despite what you think of her, didn't work hard to get where she's at. It's hard for me to think people like Frank Miller and Alan Moore didn't put real blood, sweat, and tears, real care into their publications. You wonder why people are mad about, you know, certain stories that, that are written and, and you, don't, you don't get it. Like, oh, why does the creator of Watchmen hate the Watchmen? Why does the creator of, you know, Kick-Ass hate Kick-Ass? It's because they've taken advantage of these creators at every turn. And now when they have the opportunity to do, do right by these creators, they wait and wait and wait until something hits the fan. And now they have two things that they have a two front war that they got to fight. Not only are you pissing off comic book fans, the OGs, the people who kept you, kept this ship afloat at Marvel and DC before this big boom of marketing dollars came in from WB and Disney. I don't know. Comics and games, video games also, you know what I mean, are a part of the same entertainment industry as movies, TV, music, modeling, sports, etc., it's just as predatory. All the artists, performers, athletes, whoever in these different spaces are all being taken advantage of in different ways. And unless they're able to organize and do something about it, this is going to keep happening. And quite frankly, from a consumer standpoint, nobody wants to see how the sausage is made. But it's kind of too late for that. It's time to pay creators. That's why you see a rise in independent creators. Whether you want to clown on SoundCloud rappers because they went independent and they're trying to find a different way, or you're you're talking about you know uh, the Ball family going overseas to play sports instead of going to college, or if you're talking about um, Image Comics going independent because they were tired of writing for Marvel and DC and not getting paid. What if I create something really special and beautiful and amazing? Then what will happen? Do I own it? Listen, man, I, I like this new trend where agency is becoming the trend in the creator space. I root for all artists and all creators getting their bread and getting their money, and especially when it involves a billion-dollar publicly traded business that has all the access to, to as much resources as they need to be able to do their jobs. There should never be any excuse why I can't have what I need to be able to move forward or you can't do right by the contract that you signed. It's a tough situation because honestly, at the end of the day, it's going to take a lot of push and it's going to take, quite frankly, another revolution in the media that we consume in order for any of this to change. And whatever media follows movies and TVs and film or video games, whatever the thing after video games is, whatever the thing after VR is, whatever the thing after Instagram and, and social media is, it's still going to come with its own problems. So with that being said, I'm going to leave it there. I'm definitely going to be following this, but I don't think I'm going to be diving too much into it anymore. But just keep that in mind as you're watching this What If series and all these different shows that you, you all love. Remember that Disney always 
and forever will be about their bread. And don't you forget it, bro. And support independent creators, bro. Support all independent creators, especially independent comic book writers, man. Shout out to independent comic book writers. Shout out to anybody who wants to be in the entertainment business and is finding it hard to break out and be an artist and be paid fairly and have agency and be recognized for your contributions. I certainly will do my best to recognize your contributions and, and shoot some dollars straight to your pocket. I hope y'all can do the same. Um, now, I don't have any monetization on this channel as of yet, but I do want y'all to holla at me, tweet at me, hit me in the DMs, email me, wackops at gmail.com. That's W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z at gmail.com. Or you can follow me at Twitter, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. Please subscribe. Please share. Please like. Please go on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. If you like the show, dope. If you don't like the show, dope. Leave a review. Engage with me. Tell me what I can do better. I'd love to hear from y'all. And tell me what you think about this Disney situation. Tell me what you think about all these rumors we talked about. What was your favorite indie that you saw this week? Honestly, I, I really, I really appreciate every single last one of you. I actually want to leave the show before we get into our shout out of the week because you know I like to leave on that. I just want to thank every single one of y'all who's come out and support this show. Whether it be my day ones or people who just got here, this podcast just had its best week yet this last week. We got literally like three times the engagement we typically would. I won't put out the numbers. If you want to go see the numbers, you can follow me on Twitter. But I I had a really good time engaging with the community this week. And I, I love y'all for coming out and supporting. I, again, I told you I'm not monetized. I don't have no Patreon. I'm not putting up no Venmo. I'm not doing any of that as of yet. I'm waiting to get a community and some traction building. I hope that all of y'all can be here for the journey. And I appreciate y'all. I say it from the bottom of my heart. I love every single one of y'all and keep, keep coming back. Keep checking in with me. Because I love to build more with y'all. And quite frankly, I got more time to game. Y'all need to hit me up on Steam and on uh, Switch and on Xbox and on PlayStation. Because my gamer tag is WackOps on all platforms. So, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. Please hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. And then, that's it. Let's go ahead and give you the shout out of the week. We actually have two shout out of the week this week. It is where we give people their flowers and hold them up high. First, we got De La Soul. Now, this news comes straight from Talib Kweli uh, and his Instagram. Now, apparently, De La Soul has regained ownership of their masters. Thank God. Uh, I'm going to read you a quote right here. After years of being taken advantage of by the recording industry in the worst possible ways, De La Soul now owns all rights to their masters as an and is in full control of the amazing music they have created. Hallelujah. I love what were we just talking about this week. I love seeing creators own their own music, own their own creation, and be able to monetize it the way they see fit and be able to benefit from what they brought to the world, the value that they brought. And then lastly, I definitely think y'all need to go check out the Tyler the Creator interview with Ebro on Hot 97. Yo, I'm going to just say this. I feel dog. I feel dog. He talks about how people who really care about whatever space they're in recognize each other. 
not just for being the cool person in the room, but saying what needs to be said and have a respect for a craft. And, and I, and I love that. I love that. I think anybody who is a creator for a living, any kind of artist for a living will feel that energy. And if you don't, you definitely need to pump yourself up and go watch that interview from a Tyler creator on hot 97. Definitely go check that out. And with that, we're going to leave you. It was a shorter episode than I thought. I, I thought I was going to go, you know, 45 minutes over this week. But no, it's just a nice little 10, 15 minutes over this week. So y'all can go ahead and get back to your Friday, get back to your weekend. I want to thank everybody who came and tuned in this week. I appreciate you. We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep getting better at making this show. With that being said, I am Wack Ops. This is Hardcore Casual. Have fun, be cool, and stay dangerous. <laughs>